Welcome to the Form Guide, inspiring conversations about mental health and well-being. This week we're chatting to M. Stroud, founder of Laugh, Think, Play, an all-round good egg. Can't wait to get into it. Well, 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 M. Stroud, welcome to the Form Guide. Lovely to see you. So lovely to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm loving the 1970s funk as well with the boom, boom, boom. Yeah, so that was Gwen McRae, all this love that I'm giving. Um, so I'm giving you my love. Uh, I expect yours in return. Thank you very much. There you go. Um, yeah, we've just, uh, you were our first guest on season two. Um, season Woo-hoo! one Season one finished seven days ago, so I've had the summer break. Uh, and okay, we're back. good, yeah. Glad to see that you've rested well. <laughs> rested. You're like, right, end of season one, let's crack on. <laughs> People are liking it, let's do it some more. <laughs> I've, got a, I've got a good mate of mine, he's like a cycle racer, and you're supposed to have a good, you know, kind of break between the two seasons, and his is literally about five minutes long. He'll finish racing, and then he's back into kind of doing hard intervals. And I feel like very much like that with uh, with the show but um we flipped the music genre from um 80s classics to 70s funk and um that was a big uh tune of mine from my childhood when i used to play basketball back in the midlands so selected that one for you i'm loving it i'm loving it and i think there's just something so joyful about 70s funk and it's one of those things that's sort of it's sort of a more universal music everyone kind of goes yeah 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 feeling it feeling yeah. it so i think season two is already off to a cracking start you know it's only gonna just get better and better can't wait for season three in four weeks time <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely <laughs> no breaks let it roll let it roll so M. Um, stroud you are and i'm going to read out the list of your titles you're a creator you're a podcaster you're an author you're a speaker you're an MC. you're a coach and you are a clown you are founder of laugh think play you got a lot going on right yeah yeah, but it, you know, I do. See, this is what people quite often say to me. They're like, God, you do loads. And I'm like, I do, but all of it all really links in. And it's all loads of fun and it's all really joyful. And so, although I've got lots of different hats underneath that, there's a really, there's a consistent theme, you know, and it is about, you know, how do I help the world have more more time to laugh, more time to think and more time to play. Yeah. And of course that manifests in different ways, but I mean, it feels so important, you know, and it feels like um, like I've kind of been leading up to this place through the rest of my professional career. And, and now I'm just in this lovely world where I'm just getting to do it, which is great. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, I, I feel like that a little bit. I feel like um, I sort of lost a couple of decades with just coming to terms with myself. But And then I've sort of started my career four years ago at the age of 45, which is fortunate that we're all going to work for a long time because now I feel I've got my career ahead of me and I'm I mean, living it. But do, do you feel like that at all? <laughs> yeah, I do. And I think I think a lot of my 20s, I mean, so, I, you know, I had kind of an interesting, you know, I was you know, an actor and then I'm entrepreneur and I've done lots of different things. And... I think a lot of the reason that I was doing lots of different things was because I hadn't really looked at who I was and I was a little bit scared about being all of me and, you know, and sort of putting the word clown, which I am and putting comedy and working with business. And yeah, I'd say probably the last sort of four or five years, I'm really like, this is me, here I am, you know, and it's, and it's really, you know, the more I'm me, the more, more doors, more things happen and everything like that. But more importantly, the more people I get to serve, which is great, right? Amazing. Yeah, you're right. The universe does, when you're living a life of purpose, the universe conspires to put things in your way that are positive and good and people that you need to meet. Um, And I'm I'm very glad on the journey to have met you. You're also the MC of the Inside Out Awards, um, both virtual and in real life. Uh, Pray, you know, God willing, uh, next year. 
Um, and we're about to launch new website and the award. So it's a pretty exciting time in the next week or so. So uh, look out for that. And it was, so, it was such a brilliant awards. And I just have to give kudos while we're on your channel and your, your show. It was, um, it was one of the most fun awards nights. And I think the community that you've got going is truly brilliant. And so you should be really proud of yourself. Oh, thank you. I am, I am proud. You know, for me, it's around celebrating excellence for those that are doing good yeah. stuff on the mental health agenda in the workplace. And we saw a lot of excellence and we celebrated. I still want to properly celebrate with dancing DJs and, you know, kind of music and I mean, all that stuff. I in a room together. <laughs> be amazing, won't it? It'd be amazing. Yeah. Um, so good morning to Luke. Good morning to Hurrah. Good morning to Stuart on the live. Great to see you all. So I'm going to start with the question before we properly get into it, Em, and that's the question that I always ask. Um, that question, of course, is how are you today? As you can see um, i'm a, a a good seven today um i've been on really good form in recent weeks um mm. i had a, a terrible night's sleep i woke up at kind of 2 a.m and my brain would not let me get back um but i'm delighted to be here i've got a nap in my future that i'm looking forward to at about 2 p.m today what's your score today em how are you i'm 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 an, I'm an 8.5 that's my dog he likes heckle charlie thanks 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 charlie um i'm an 8.5 charlie he just, he, he has heckled me more than any other thing known to mankind. I've done professional gigs. Charlie, Charlie, go to your bed. Go to your bed. Um, I've done professional gigs, like comedy gigs, in front of literally thousands of people. And this dog has heckled me more. No, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a good 8.5. Worked for a run this morning because, like you, woke up super early and was like, not two, five o'clock. And was mm. like, I have a cup of tea. Then I got the dog. Dog came upstairs. And then I listened to the dog snore for an hour. And I was like, maybe I should, maybe I should just go for a run. So, yeah, I'm good. I'm perky. So, yeah, yeah I'm good. Got that. Got that exercise in. Yeah, I, I did some exercise yeah. today and that that's definitely probably got me up from a six to a seven. Um, yeah. What what would a perfect 10 day look like for you? And, and a, the perfect 10, it's an ideal really, isn't it? The stars have to align. But what would be the constituents of a perfect 10 day? Um, I think for me, the the start would be that I have ample time in my morning routine. So what I mean by that, I'm, I'm pretty good at my self-care because I've really had to work quite hard to get to where I'm at. So that includes a little bit of meditation, definitely a cup of tea before meditation because otherwise nothing's going to happen. Um, a little bit of time for writing and then a bit of exercise. And then once that's done, then honestly, stuff that makes my heart sing. So some fun and some joy. So that could be anything from going off and doing a, an impro class to hanging out with my son. So if I full day, go and do a little impro class. Mine is my child. Then I pick up my child, probably be with my missus as well. And, uh, and then just go out in nature, have a giggle and then eat some amazing food yeah. with a really nice glass of something. Cool. I like that. I like, I like the probably be with your missus bit. That's a bit of an afterthought there. But, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, she's not watching. We're okay. Probably <laughs> be with her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we, have to, we have to include our partners in this. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that tea, is that like regular builder's tea or is it some like yeah. sort, of, sort of fancy herbal business going yeah. on? Just, just builder's tea. Later on in the day, I then turn into a Southwest London idiot that then drinks herbal tea. Because yeah. if I have too much caffeine... I, I don't need too much caffeine. It's the world doesn't need me massively caffeinated, um, nor do I need myself massively caffeinated. So yeah, yeah. Well, I could imagine just this explosion of, of of words and probably your head actually with you on caffeine. <laughs> it's, it's I think it's it's one of those things that some of my friends always say. They're like, if they see me having more than one cup of coffee in the day, they're quite concerned. 
And I really have to be really tired um, to merit having two cups of coffee in the day. So yeah, I, I can actually scare myself. And that's that's been a journey sort of learning how do I use my own energy? Because I'm, I'm naturally very energetic. Yeah. So actually understanding how do I harness that? How do I breathe? How do I make sure that just because I'm really excited, I'm not so full on all the time that people are like, whoa, who is this crazy woman? Yeah. yeah and I think I think that's really good advice because obviously with, with the form school we talk a lot about supporting people at the three and the four end yeah. we talk less about how to maintain really high form like the nines out of tens so yeah so me when I'm a nine I'm, I'm superhuman I think I can do everything and I generally wear myself out for doing too much and that yeah. that moderation of energy when we're on top form it's it's really interesting it's quite a challenge isn't it how do you how do you do that I think it's I think it's about really becoming really conscious about where you're at, which is why the form school is so useful. Because if you are consistently saying, right, I'm a nine, and then you notice that you've gone down to a seven, what's what's changed? But the only way that you can do that is actually by slowing down and reflecting. So I'm pretty consistent with my scores. I would say I'm sort of probably always somewhere between a seven and a nine. Yeah. Um, 90% of the time. I've had my dark days and I still mm -hmm. occasionally have my dark days and my days that I, I'm struggling. But the days when I go down to a seven, it's because I've let go of my self-care and the things that I know that are really important to me. And like you say, because I love what I do, just like you, I can suddenly be like, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, I'll do that. Of course. And then four days later, okay, I'm quite tired now. Yeah. You know, and when I get to that point, I then go, okay, so how did I let that happen? Um, so I also kind of make sure that I really look after my diary. I'm really conscious about diary choices sort of months in advance. Yeah. So I block out days for creativity, podcasts, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, fascinating. We're going to talk about that definitely. Um, I think, you know, I talk a lot about being intentional about well-being, yeah. and, and I think I'm sort of evolving that to be the strap line for Form Score is helping the world, world be more intentional about well-being. And I think... Nice. It's those choices, isn't it? It's the choice to, to prioritise self-care. It's the choice to maintain that routine. It is the choice to do things that are good for your well-being in order to do that. And I, I guess, like many of us, has the darkness that you've experienced helped you build that self-awareness? It's a bit of a leading question, but... Yeah, hugely. Yeah. I mean, I think... You know, so if I if I go back sort of oh, I know eight, nine years, no, William's nine now, that's scary, my son's mine. If I go back sort of yeah, nine, ten years ago, I meant outwardly I was doing really well. Everything was like, you know, going okay, I had different businesses then, but I was I was doing pretty well. But internally I was imploding and exploding really. And I think when I got to that point where I was like, I don't even know if I want to be here anymore, and genuinely felt really low that was the moment and I'd already started to build a team M around me so different people to support me yeah. and I think it was at that moment that I was like I have a choice you know I can either go that way or I can go that way and it was being at that's I, I mean I think that's why people call it rock bottom because there isn't anywhere else to go yeah and I think for me and my journey it was like okay actually how do I how do I shift things how do I change things and I think from that time it helped me really realize that actually you have to carry on working, you have to be brave and you have to show up to the stuff that you've experienced and the stuff that you've gone through in order for you then to be, to, to live a content and a happy life and a full yeah. life, whatever that might look like in the here and now, not, oh, in six years time when I've sold the house or when I've sold the business or whatever. And for me, it's that, as you've rightly said, it's that day and that's why I love the form school because it's that daily thing. Because every day it's like, how do we want today to be? 
you know mm. and that that is a is a constant work in progress right yeah i think it, it and it is for all of us and i think if we can get more people on that journey the better um, yeah. So this this might raise a smile. I, I blatantly, uh, from uh, appearing on your wonderful podcast, stole your quick fire round. Uh, oh, I, I, I just grabbed it. I thought that is brilliant. And I've been doing this for you know my 20 episodes and it's been good fun. Um, yeah. um, but rather than it be your thing, I, I asked people to talk about if mental health were a and so these are very similar questions that you would have asked me. Uh, although I've just put the first one in. <laughs> That, that will make you smile from um, the question you asked at the awards. So if mental health, M were a fruit, what would it be? Oh, very good. Uh, if mental health, oh, it would be, um, it would be a pineapple. And the reason it'd be a pineapple is like sometimes from the outside, it can look like it's a bit prickly and it's a bit curious and it's a bit hard to get your head round and you're a bit unsure of how do they really grow? But then when you unpeel it, actually there's loads of loveliness and kind and a warm heart. Brilliant. You've just dropped into character there, haven't you, as well? Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Really. <laughs> yeah, I, I, like, I like the pineapple. Um, you know, it, it's, you know, you've got that centre. Also good for inducing birth as well. Um, um, the the the, the centre bit of the pineapple, I believe, or, or just it? getting it. Apparently so. My wife ate a load of it and then just oh. felt r- really, really bad. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I tried many things so that I could actually give birth and pineapple wasn't on. It was mainly raspberry tea, of which I hate now. <laughs> like, yeah, of course. No, this is horrible. Yeah. Still... <laughs> Not pregnant, not giving birth. <laughs> <laughs> of course, good good answer. Right, if mental health were an animal, um, what would it be? Uh, it would be a hedgehog. Yeah, like it. Same hedgehog. reason as a pineapple. Pretty much, yeah. I suddenly went hmm, pineapple to hedgehog. Just, just not quite so, not, not quite so good on a Hawaiian pizza, though, right? <laughs> <laughs> No, no, it's it's genuinely, you know, I don't, I don't think Domino's have started doing their hedgehog pineapple, hedgehog and ham pineapple uh, pizza. Yeah, hedgehog, same reason. Yeah, I like that. Curl up into a little ball, protective, cuddly on the inside yeah. and quite a curious sort of snuffly type animal. Yeah, like, and know. then also there are always tunnels around that they always find their way through to then yeah, find yeah. extraordinary places, yeah, which I like, think is really about mental health, because I think if you're brave enough to go down the tunnels, you'll find yeah. amazing stuff. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. I do like that. Do play along on the uh, at home on the chat, please do. Um, mental health were a colour, Em. What, what colour comes to mind for you? Um, it would be yellow. Yellow? Why yeah, yellow? because today I'm feeling really happy. Yeah, yellow, <laughs> happy. So yellow's, yeah. yellow's happy. If you'd asked me on a day when I was a three or a four, you would have got a different answer. But that's why you do quick fire quizzes, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and, you know, I think assigning a colour to how we're feeling is interesting. So we've got different colours for the, the form scores as well. Um, yellow is good. You know, kind of colour of hope, colour of the sun. Um, yeah, all good. Um, you mentioned food earlier, but if mental health were a food, what, what sort of food would it be? Oh, it would be a roast dinner. Yeah. Mm. Mm, lovely. Yeah. Why, why a roast? Because I like them. Um, yeah. <laughs> but also, <laughs> it would also be a roast dinner because... When you think about it, a roast dinner is made up of lots of different parts, and those parts can also change depending on what roast dinner you have. Yeah. So as a result, mental health is never going to be just, it can't just be a cheese sandwich, because a cheese sandwich is just a cheese sandwich, whereas mental health has got loads of different facets to it. Yeah, I like that. And it, it, for me, it also bring, it signifies coming together and connection as well, the roast. Yeah. You know, you very rarely think, oh, I'm going to knock up a roast lamb and have that on your own um, yeah, of, of, no. a, you know, of a Wednesday evening. You know, it's like Sunday family, friends connection, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is, you know, and as you say that, it's that, 
there is something very heartening and safe about, I think for us in the UK anyway, about that particular meal. And I think it does symbolize whatever home means to you. And, yeah. and, and home can be the people, not the actual place. And I think yeah. that's why it really means that to me. Love it. Um, if mental health were a song or a piece of music, what would it be? Uh, if mental health was a song, I think it is, um, oh, well, the song that's coming to my, my head is Fly Away. I want to get away. That one. Yes. I want to fly away. Yeah, that one. Yeah. You've got, a, you, you've got a, an awesome song. You've got a great singing voice. Thank you very much. Trained in musical theatre. You used to sing in a band. Well, help, won't it? Um, I've got a terrible <laughs> singing voice, but I, I, I like to sing. So I've just recorded a 30-day form boosting course. So five-minute sort of bite-sized videos on how to boost Ooh. your form. And they're going to be yeah. released daily on the 1st of July. But I find myself just naturally singing to the camera. And I have a terrible singing voice, but I absolutely love it. So I cover Salt and Pepper. Um, I cover The Beatles. Uh, I cover nice. Elton John um, nice. across this and, and a couple of others. Um, my, my wife, who is a, you know, in a choir and a very good singer, is cringing at the thought of this. But I'm just putting it out there because it's fun, right? Yeah, it's fun. And also singing and that, that sort of that joy of singing and allowing is, I mean, there's so much research about how good it is for our soul. Yeah. And so, you know, I mean, they're not, the only thing that I'm slightly questioning, Rob, is the fact that you've gone salt and pepper to Elton John and the Beatles. They're not natural bedfellows. That's my, you know, I'm all for singing, but salt yeah. and pepper is wacky. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I still, uh, yeah, I mean, it was that, you know, just push it, that one. Oh, no, it wasn't, oh. actually. No, it wasn't that one. It was, let's talk about sex. But I, I, <laughs> and now you're wondering why I'm talking about sex on a well-being booster. I wasn't talking about sex. I was talking about stress. So I, I flipped the word sex for stress. Oh, I see what you've done Yeah, there. I see what let's I've done Let's talk there. about stress, baby. baby. Let's, let's talk, talk about, about you and me. me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk I mean, about I could... stress. Stress. I mean, yeah. you have changed, you know, you have turned a, a sort of weird classic into something different. To a well-being anthem is what I <laughs> can see it now at the top of the charts you're going to be like here is rob with form score number one let's talk about stress baby and you're just yeah. looking really shocked <laughs> stranger things have happened at sea unfortunately we oh. are not at sea um right i've got two more for you if mental health were a holiday destination what would it be uh if it was a holiday destination the thing that came into my head there which is weird because i've not been there is bali okay because it's got that place where you can ground and you can rest and it's beautiful and it's spiritual as my understanding of it is as much or as least spiritual as you want to go there's a lot of acceptance there and yeah. I think with that place of acceptance and I think for mental health for me a lot of it is about acceptance and kindness yeah. you know so Bali pops into my head. Bali for acceptance very good last one if mental health were a sound. If it was a sound? Mm. Oi oi why that because you never know exactly what <laughs> is going to arrive at any point yeah and i didn't know i was going to make that sound today at 9 21 can you repeat can, can you repeat it you can as well very good so wow this is tricky i'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stitch all that together so we are in bali 
we've just yes. been called for dinner by that that sound that's how they're announcing dinner yes. um and dinner is a roast dinner uh, strangely enough that 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 <laughs> that, that, that tradition in Bali, <laughs> yeah, that balinese food a good old british roast yes. uh we've got lenny kravitz actually serenading us with a live version uh you know of, of that song the sun the yellow sun we can see there in in the horizon um and um we, we've got, you know, a hedgehog is, is strangely just walking around and we don't know why that hedgehog is there. It seems to be out of that setting, but, you know, it is. Um, and then we're looking forward to some refreshing pineapple uh, after our uh, after our roast. And uh, we're laughing a lot, you and I. So that is the scene I've painted for your quickfire round. Thank you so much. Um, what are you reading right now, Em? Well, my reading, uh, I've got a couple of, I always have more than one book on the go. Yeah. Um, I'm reading Skin from Skunk and Nance's, um autobiography. She's just yep. been made OBE or MBE. Yep. Um, and I loved her and she, gosh, her story. And, you know, she's an activist as well as being an unbelievable singer and vocalist. Yeah. Um, so reading about her background in Brixton and Windrush and that's really cool. Um, and then the other one that I'm reading is uh, The Good News um, by Ruby Wax. Yep. So um, just reading. And ironically, she did, you know, she was like, you know, who writes a book about good news in the middle of COVID? But it kind of really resonates with me. Um, and the other one that I'm reading, which I've just, well, I have read before. It's just by myself. Um, Impro Learning okay. by this dude, Paul Z. Jackson. And it's, it's, it's all right. It's all right. Yeah. It's, it's all right. There you go. That's that's yeah. my that's my official professional book book critique. It's all right. Ooh, cool. Well, we'll put those in the show notes. A, a good range there, and um, I haven't read uh, any of those, so I'll um, I'll definitely check that out. I, I, I'm a big fan of Skin as well, actually. I think yeah. uh, her voice is amazing. Um, so um, yeah, good stuff. Yeah. So, I saw her sing live at Glastonbury. Oh, did you? Wow. Slight slight tangent, but I and I had backstage passes. Another weird story, but for another time. And I had backstage passes, and I just remember I was standing on the stage watching her perform to Glastonbury and I was like oh. whoa and I mean the way I mean her if if you think that Skunk and Nancy is only one type of music listen to them do a cappella, and then yeah. you will hear somebody that can sing yeah. unbelievably well yeah. yeah sounds good man sounds good so I, I want to talk about play and laughter and creativity um, but I'd like to hear a little bit about your journey and you you, you mentioned that you know, kind of your mental health linked into identity and acceptance uh, you, yep. acceptance is what you said not identity but I guess acceptance of identity is where I'm going with that can you can you share a bit more on that that journey and and how you've got from yeah. there to here yeah from here to here um I think so when I sort of left drama school, so I left drama school when I was about 24 and it was only after I left drama school that I came out. Yep. So, um, which is, you know, in, in now is really late. Then was still quite late at 24, 25 sort of coming yeah. out. And I think I'd always known I was gay. Um, and I'd had, I had quite an interesting childhood to put it, you know, it's a very British way of describing quite a traumatic childhood. And I think sort of that combination of knowing that I was gay, quite a traumatic childhood, like my dad died when I was young um, and various other things happened to me. I think as a sort of melting pot into my early twenties, I didn't have a, I was sort of rebelling and just, just kind of rah, living yeah. and drinking and doing all of that and, and still succeeding, mm -hmm. but just at this sort of at this level and but underneath, like I said, was just sort of grappling and really yeah. struggling. And then, and then as the more I sort of started to develop like a coaching practice and I got into business coaching and then I got into, you know, and I was still improvising and playing and doing all these things. There was always 
something my head and my heart didn't quite match up if that makes sense mm. and yeah like I said sort of nine years ago I think that all sort of really came to head you know having a son you know and I, I hadn't I, in my 20s, if you if I spoke to my 20-year-old self now going, you're going to have a nine-year-old son, my 20-year-old self would be like, no, you're not. <laughs> We're not having children. That is not happening. No, 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 no. You know, and I was really definite that I wasn't going to have kids because I, I really wanted to stop this sort of, this sort of family cycle of not greatness. And then, and then I sort of went off and uh, did a real life-changing thing where I went and did um, Vipassana. So I went and did 10 day silent meditation retreat and you know for those of you that haven't met me but you obviously know me Rob um, I talk quite a lot and I love you know and I get my energy from people and vice versa and I went and did that because I wanted to see how I would be and when I say 10 days of silence it's no eye contact it's literally no exercise no music no reading no writing you are just meditating for 10 hours a day and eating and having a shower and going for a walk that's it and while I was there the sort of things that come up with that much silence were challenging at certain points, but actually it also gave me the biggest gift of that I could choose how I wanted to show up in the world. And I could choose if I wanted to be a mother and I didn't necessarily have to be like my mum was. And that clarity and that calmness that then when I came back out into normal life, because Vipassana is not normal life at all. Suddenly I was like, okay, I can shift. And just because all of this bad stuff had happened to me, I can now make a choice to really link my head and my heart. And from that moment on, I really started to do my own work. So I started to not only hold up mirrors to other people, which I was good at and I was successful at, but more importantly, I started to do it for myself. Yeah. And then I got amazing therapists. I've tried lots of different, very strange healing techniques, which some of which works, some of which doesn't. I read a lot, I learned a lot. And I think as I get to here, you know, as I'm sitting here right now at 9.28, I think the biggest thing that's really changed is that there's been a shift for, for myself to be kind to me. Whereas the way that I was probably up until my early thirties was, I was very unkind to me, but the rest of the world could be very kind to me and very nice, but actually, and that to me has been the biggest thing. and that now as I as I kind of go out and do all the different things that I do it's underpinned with a like I'm good within me mm. you know and I'm solid within me and I've and I've healed a lot of stuff because I've worked really hard and I continue to work hard at it yeah. you know and I don't take it for granted and new things come up and new challenges come up and then it's just looking, okay, how does that make me feel? And being brave enough to go, how do I feel about that? And if I am in a place where I'm starting to wobble or it triggers something, I'm like, okay, if it's triggered something, that means that there hasn't been enough kindness and attention shown to that bit of me. Yeah, amazing. And, and it, it is a journey, isn't it? And I think yeah. what I'm hearing there, I, there's a lot of stuff that resonates for me, the unkind elements to myself in, in, in my earlier life. Um, there's a bit around that I'm hearing strongly around that kind of sitting with uncomfortable feelings and emotions as well and exploring them. And I guess, is that what part of what you mean when you talk about doing the work, it's exploring those things yeah. that might be uncomfortable and. Yeah, I just, I, I don't think you can go around them. You know, I think you have to experience them. And, you know, I was brought up, you know, I mean, I cannot sound more English if I tried. I look very English and I was brought up in that we don't talk about emotions, emotions don't exist. And then if you, 
And then to then suddenly to start to realize this is what it feels like. So when my early sort of, I don't know, my early 30s, in my intellectual brain was probably in my early 30s, but my emotional brain was a teenager because I hadn't felt it before. So it had all of that intensity of like, I don't know what this is. And as my adult brain, well, surely this is going to end. Mm. And actually it is that, how do you sit through it? And you know, there are some days where you do just feel crap. And actually it's about being letting yourself to feel that because actually all of that, it moves out of your body. Like I've learned, you know, so much stuff gets held in our bodies. We get mm -hmm. tense, we get all of our emotion gets stuck somewhere. So when we're crying or when we're angry or when we're sitting and we're feeling something, whether it's grief, whether it's happiness, whatever it is that we're doing emotionally and in our bodies, stuff is moving. You know, that's why we're mind, body and soul. You know, that's yeah. why that has been there far longer than any of us watching this has been alive. So we can't separate them because they are fundamentally all together, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's inspiring to to hear. And I'm also hearing a kind of message of of hope, you know, that that you've gone through that that journey from, uh, uh, I guess, as you say, rock bottom and a choice of direction. Um, but you're an example, actually, if you're prepared to put the work in, if you're prepared to face the uncomfortable and sit with it and learn from it, if you're prepared to move forward, um, that you can end up in a good place with kindness. And, um, and then, as you've mentioned earlier on, great things follow, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is. And, and I think we do make a choice because I think as people, we can we can very easily exist. So if this is, you know, in between my hands now is kind of the existing plane. And I think lots of people live in this existing plane where they don't allow themselves to feel massive happiness and they don't allow themselves to feel massive sadness because they're worried that they're gonna, we can't stay at this level all the time because that would be impossible. Mm. But I think there's a, from my own, for myself and having witnessed countless other people doing it, there's a courage about allowing the fullness of all feelings. Because as soon as you allow the fullness of the sadness, the grief, the trauma to, to move from you, then actually you can allow yourself the light and the joy and the wonderment rather than being stuck in, well, I'm really busy. So I kind of just do this. And then my, I quite enjoy my holidays. And then boom, before you know it, 20 years of your life is gone. Yeah. Yeah. Courage. Um, yeah. yeah. It, it's the the courage to be yourself is is an interesting one um there's so much i could respond to there i'm, I'm keen to understand um a little bit more around you know kind of the you, you you're very funny and you've obviously got the stage show and you've used comedy through your your, your career yeah you talk about in in the movie trailer which i'll come on to talking a bit more about but you talk about the mask of, of comedy and yep. being the funny one can you and that resonates a little bit actually and i think i've tried to do that i'm not very funny but i try and be funny right uh, <laughs> i'm about as funny as i am a good singer but you know that's, that's <laughs> and you, you know you're laughing because you're being polite um no but... i think you're definitely funnier than you are a singer i'm just gonna put that out there <laughs> You do make me laugh. You're singing that I've just heard. Mm. It's not resonating. It's not. Yeah, it's not going to pull on your heartstrings that one. Um, thank you. Um, but yeah, talk about that 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 mask of being the funny one because it does resonate with me. That I think I think a lot of us that fall into you know a lot of us that use humour, it is the most uh, it is the most acceptable form of distracting people from where you're feeling. You know, and when I was in my 
again, probably up until my early 30s, I'm like, well, if I'm the funny one, that is all people will see of me. So they will not know that what's going on inside me is that everything's falling to pieces and I actually hate myself and I don't know if I want to live anymore. That was what was going on. But it's all right, because I'm funny. And actually... I am, you know, and I, I mean, I discovered that I could, you know, make people laugh sort of in my last couple of years at school. And suddenly it was like, oh, OK, I've got this kind of gift and I've got this face that can do funny things. And, you know, and then I got comedy lead roles and stuff like that. And I understand the craft of comedy and I understand it and, yes, use it professionally. But within my life, I was using it completely as a mask up until sort of yeah as I say probably until my early 30s now it's like no no I'm good I'm cool I can be funny but then I and as a result I think when I do talk about more serious things I think and I get told that people really feel it because I have made them laugh because it doesn't feel like it's a mask because it's not yeah 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 and that's that authenticity of self isn't it and being able to to let the guard down um and and in in your case the guard was humor but humor still a part of you it's really interesting um i was fortunate enough to speak at an event uh where john cleese was speaking um a couple of weeks ago and john cleese spoke about the creative process quite a lot he also spoke about a study that had been done on architects and it was fascinating what what they did was they asked a bunch of architects who the most creative architects were. And then they analysed what those architects did from the moment they woke up to the moment they went to sleep. What they also then did was analyse the same thing for the rest of the architects, but they didn't tell them that it was because they were seen as the non-creative ones. Right. And so you've got you know, kind of two groups. The main difference, they're all effective at what they do, but one group being more creative than the other. And one of the main differences they found between those two groups is the more creative architects played more. They they had this childlike approach to what they do, but they had more time not working with boundaries and playing. Now, you, uh, you're the founder of Laugh, Think and Play, and I've heard you talk about the need for play. Um, I'm presuming that doesn't surprise you, but do you think we more, need more play in, the, in, in our lives, in our professional lives? Yeah, I think... <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I, I don't think we can separate our professional lives with our personal lives because we're all humans all the time. Yeah. But I'm aware of some LinkedIn, so this is a professional place. Um, yeah, I mean, without, without exception, now I haven't gone down going and doing a doctorate into why play works, but I have 20 odd years of anecdote, anecdotal evidence of witnessing when individuals within businesses allow themselves to play and then create more of a culture where there is play and that there is openness to creativity things change for the better people are happier people laugh more there's less sickness uh there's less stress there's more creative you know all of these things but yet as adults i think we hear the word play and i think it instantly goes well that's what kids do because they have playtime. Yeah. And I think that word play has been misconstrued and has been taken as a very, through a very adult filter. Now, of course, the way that you play as you, Rob, you know, you might be like, I like singing. That's what I like to do to play. And you play because you play music. That's one of the ways that you as Rob would play. Now, for somebody else, play might be, I don't know, um, going fishing. Play might be doing knitting. It's about allowing yourself to be in that place where that is the one thing that you're doing and you're so present on it and it fills your heart with joy. 
Yeah. And that's no different from when you think about little kids at a nursery when they're three. And if you go in, all of those kids will all be playing in different ways. You've got some that are playing with Lego. You've got some that are doing imaginary friends. You've got some that are in the sandpit. You've got some that are doing color. So even at that age, when play is completely pure and completely hadn't been tarnished by, but I'm an adult, I should not play, they're playing in different ways. Yeah. So for me, I think it's so important to allow yourself that space. And quite often people go, but I don't know how to play. So I'm like, well, just go and try something new for a couple of hours, once a month. Yeah. And you never know, you might like some of it and you also might not like some of it. That's okay, but go go, give yourself that permission piece, you know? Permission is a big one and not feeling, yeah. feeling guilty about it, but I think also a recognition of the the, the benefits of it. Um, yeah. That, you know, we can play with our children and, and connect with with them. Um, yeah. But this this idea of... of, of actually being more creative more efficient more productive of what we're doing professionally yep. as a result of playing I find really interesting so and also with the play with the kids I have spoken to so many people whose kids come up to them and go can we play and as adults most people go no I haven't got time for that yeah and if somebody's watching this and goes I say that to my kids on a regular basis just check in with yourself is that actually true and maybe just for one day let your kid lead you in the play so yeah. if they don't want to build something specific in lego do that be led by children because children can teach us so much more about play than we can teach them because we've forgotten how to do it most of us yeah yeah i i, I totally agree um and um it's amazing what kids will come up with if you allow yourself to be on that journey with them. Um, you remember my mate Chris King, the uh, the founder of Birch, who thinks nuts yep. are a fruit. Remember him? Yeah, I mean, strange. I mean, I like him, but strange man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Anyone that thinks that nuts is a fruit, what? <laughs> yeah, very, very strange. Um, but you know, in, in that hotel, Birch, you know, he's got a lot of adult play or kids play yep. stuff, but you know, pottery, bread making, yep. things that are quite creative. And so, um, I've got this idea of getting my extended team together, you know, and the I, I think interspersing some creative thinking with activities of play and seeing if those creative juices flow you know so set, set a little problem for the business of form score go and make some pottery together come back and convene and then talk about the problem I, you know yeah. i think that'll be a really interesting experiment and a bit of fun along the way so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it will shift stuff because because what we do and i think the thing is is when we allow ourselves to go into that creative space what it does is it lets everything else sort of do its circumnavigating around the back of our brain. Now I'm no neuroscientist, <laughs> I'm clown. That's why it doesn't say neuroscientist, that would be scary. Um, but it's, I know for a fact that when you, when you are then sort of right, okay, let me build this and play with this. And then you go back, everything else is just sort of settled. And I think in business, we're always so outcome oriented, outcome. And then we don't enjoy the process. And then we don't morph the process by being braver, by doing different stuff. So yeah. unrelated tasks can sometimes be the absolute key to solving the biggest business problem. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and again, the book uh, that I'm—I I always have two books on the go, a bit like okay. yourself. Uh, I have a kind of trashy sci-fi space marines type thing that I'll read before I go to bed, nice. and then I'll have something where I can learn and be inspired. So I'm—I'm um, yep. I'm, I'm currently listening to Rory Sutherland, um, who's a you know, one of our great thinkers and behavioural scientists. Um, but but he talks about you know that most business problems are solved by logic, um, and if you solve a problem by logic, actually you're not you're not allowing for the opportunity of original thinking by using that creative process. And actually, 
um, sometimes just getting, you know, looking at a problem and thinking, turning it on its head, you know, throwing it from the, the reverse angle. Why did we do it this way? Um, it needs creative thinkers, not necessarily logical thinkers. And yet we always use logic to solve problems. Do you, do you have a view on that? Yeah, I mean, I think I think both are really important. And those people that think really logically, you know, I've worked with a lot of engineers that love their structures. <laughs> Sorry about that poor pun, but they love, you know, how they work. Yeah. But actually, when you then expand there, they're like, okay, but if you kind of move that bit over to there, what would happen in that space? They love it because you're giving them more freedom yeah. and vice versa. I think when, when you've got someone that is naturally deeply creative and brilliant at coming up with ideas, them working together can be massively helpful. So you can actually find really fun ways of going, right, okay, this is 10 minutes, right? So we're gonna go through it like ABC and then we're gonna go over here and we're gonna look at it as colors. Yeah. And then when you do stuff like that, it's sort of, how do we utilize all of ourselves? And I think quite often people go, this is the box I'm in. I'm a creative thinker, I'm a logical thinker. And I'm like, no, no, you're human. You can do both. So why are you limiting yourself to go, this is the only way I think. And I think within business, quite often we put ourselves in that box and go, yeah. well, that's what I'm known for. And it's like, have the courage, try different things, right? Yeah, again, courage again. Yeah, it's, just, it's, a, it's, a, it's a strong theme. Um, tell us a bit about the podcast and the clown. Um, can you tell yes. a bit more about that? I mean, I loved coming on your podcast. It was such good fun. Um, was, but That was a cracking episode. Yeah, no, I, um, so I've got a podcast called Clowning Around. Um, and it is the podcast to make people laugh and think. And the reason that I set it up like that was I knew I wanted to talk about loads of different topics with unbelievably cool people. Um, but I also knew that I didn't want to make it just me interviewing because that that within itself for me felt a little bit limited. So I've had one of my clowns, I've, I've currently got three, um, who's this clown called Barbara. And I, I haven't known where to place Barbara for years. She's been around with me for a long time. And then as I did this podcast, suddenly I was like, that's where she can be. So we have these very grown up conversations sometimes. And then Barbara just generally comes in and subverts it. I think it's fair to say. Um, and I've, I think I'm nearly at episode 80 and I've done everything from planning around mental health, Formula One, therapy, technology, um, business consciousness. And it, I love it because similar to you, I love chatting to really interesting people because that yeah. sparks me and then it helps me do really good work. Yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing, isn't it? Um, that the, the, you, you think you're, you know, a, a podcast is about extracting information, but actually a good podcast, it's, it's a conversation that you both feel enriched when you finish yeah. the, when you, you know, and I'm sure you've been on shows where people are asking your script with questions and saying, Oh, excellent answer. Next one, excellent answer. I'm like, I could have just delivered my keynote and saved you the trouble. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Whereas when you have a really rich conversation, you work away thinking, Oh, that's, that's some ideas there. There's a different way of thinking. And it's all going into that mix of fueling that creative process, I think. Yeah. And I had this, I had this one person who, um, <laughs> <laughs> who messaged me she, she's not hasn't been on it's not a guest but she messaged me and she just was like how long does it take you to script it and I was like have you heard it <laughs> and she says, you must to script Barbara and their responses must take a very long time and I was like <laughs> I don't know if that's a compliment or an insult I'm not sure but um yeah because it is for me it is that free flow and, and I remember one of my you know one of my brilliant guests who is used to a lot of structure and she was like what do I do to prepare and I was like just turn up as you yeah 
you know, because that's, and, and you know, for me, that's, that's what I love because I get people that talk, you know, I had, there was one amazing woman, she was talking about AI and she normally does, you know, universities and very, very grown up conversations about AI. And she said, she's just like, Em, I can't remember the last time I had fun talking about my subject. And so yeah. for me with that, I was like, cool, everyone's winning then, you know? Yeah, definitely. So look, as, as ever, these things go really quickly, don't they? But um, yeah. I'd like to talk about your film uh, and the trailer. So Reframed um, and a very, very powerful trailer that you're working on um, getting into full production for a film. Yep. Um, tell us about it. But I... I'm curious as to the title. Why did you come up with Reframed? What's the thinking behind behind that? Um, so Reframed was, so it's grown from my one woman stage show that I did in the West End when we could still do shows in theatres. And with Reframed, it was, I do feel like I've reframed how I look at my life. Yeah. You know, the the stuff that has happened to me, my experiences are still there, but the way that I look at them, you know, and I'm aware it's a really NLP, it's quite a coachy term, but I do feel like I've reframed things. And for me, when I was putting this together and thinking about a name, when that popped into my head, I just went, because that's what I want to help other people realize that they can do. You know, your experiences will never go away. They're always going to be your truth, yeah. but how you view them, you have choice over. Mm how you view them you have choice over absolutely and i think that you know i'm certainly on a mission of reframing mental mental yeah. health um because we th say the words mental health and we think of illness um which is why i'm using the word form and form score um i think there's some reframing to be done there as well so very quickly tell us about the uh, about what you're um, what you're trying to create there um so i've made the trailer um been very lucky work with um a guy, a friend of mine who's a Hollywood director. I've got a BAFTA award-winning sound guy. The team behind me are amazing. I've got a guy who's been nominated for a Grammy and a Brit who's done the soundtrack. I've got my amazing collaborator, um, Marheen, who I've worked with for 10 years. So the team that I've got is extraordinary. And it's really important that I say how good the team are. You know, I might happen, it might happen to be my story and I might be in the, the main person in it, but it's the team that makes it happen. And my whole thing is that we're using some really cutting edge technology and sort of the next stage on from green screen and maybe two stages on, to be honest. And we're creating worlds through technology. Um, and the whole mission of it is that early next year, end of this year, that film will get made and it will be a 60 minute film. So rather than having me come and do a keynote, which is great and you know, I'm good and all that stuff, yeah. watch a film and it can be streamed across the world. And then I do a Q and A and it is about my mental health journey. It will make people laugh and think. And I decided that to bring my world from business and performing together, that was the best way I could do it. So that's where I'm on a mission to get that made. Um, it will happen within the next six months and um, and then it will go out and then then hopefully to the film festivals and stuff yeah. like that. It's kind of cool. Brilliant. Well, the trailer's amazing and there's some fabulous scenes in there. And what, what do you need more of to make that happen right now? Um, thank you for asking. That's a very good question. Um, I think what I need is to know that there is more firm interest from large corporates. I've got a few that are already really interested, but I think if I know I've got a few more, then I can raise the investments that I can make the film. So I think if people go, yep, we'll have that. Yep, we'll have that. Then that then just makes me getting the investment to make the film a hell of a lot easier. Yeah. Um, and as you've just done investment, you know what that's like. You know, it's um, the more evidence that you have, the easier it is. So yeah. it's on my LinkedIn, you know, so you can watch it there and it's on my website. And, um, you know, any other questions would be great. 
yeah well we'll put a uh, link to the uh, to the project in the in the show notes um so for, and can't wait to see it uh, come to reality it's brilliant um Final question. We're collecting, we're curating a uh, library of well-being golden nuggets. The one piece of advice that you're prepared to share that um, is a bit of wisdom on managing uh, well-being. What is your, what is your one piece of advice? Em? Allow yourself five minutes of joy and wonder every day. Amazing. Allow yourself five minutes of joy and wonder every day. Yeah, that's that's beautiful. And I think we can all benefit from doing that, can't we? I think so. So next up um, on the form guide, we have Tara Austin. Tara is a consulting director at Ogilvy. Um, she'll be talking about the work of Professor David Nutt um, on psychedelics and an alcoholic free beverage that mimics the positive effects of alcohol. And I've had I've tried this. It's called Sentia. I'm, I'm, I've got no commercial arrangement with them. Um, and what, what Professor Nutt has done is, is identified all of the effects of alcohol and then looked at the two positive ones, which is mm. you know, kind of you know, social confidence and relaxation, and then replicated that in a uh, plant-based drink that goes very well with tonic, I can tell you. Um, it gives you a nice relaxing buzz and then wears off and you feel totally normal without the negative effects of alcohol. So I, I haven't uh, touched alcohol for a couple of years, so I'm delighted to have found this. So I've invited Tara on, who's uh, very familiar with his work, to uh, to come and have a chat about it. So I think that should that be quite an cool. interesting one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so that just leads me to say thank you, Em. It's been wonderful to chat to you, um, as ever. Um, I'm in awe of what you do, and I'm proud to call you a friend. So thank you yeah, so much. Thanks for having me, lovely man. Cheers, mate.